The Money Show. Make Money Mondays. Really pleased to welcome Derek Hanakom to the Money Show this evening. Former government minister um, who recently um, got an apology from Jacob Zuma. But it felt to me, Derek Hanakom, as if Jacob Zuma was a bit like the kid who'd been told by his mom to apologize to his brother. And he went, sorry. He didn't really mean it. Um, have you had the? Have you been paid, by the way? Because you you sued the former president for I think it was five hundred thousand rand, um, for calling you a spy, James Bond. I don't think you ever realised how how massively influential you were. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. So we, we we you know the story, and then the apology was uh, made, albeit somewhat reluctantly, or so it came across. Um, no, the, um, the court decided that um, there needs to be a separate uh, presentation to the court to determine the exact level of costs because okay. he's been ordered to to cover the costs and then uh, damages. Um, you know, I have claimed five hundred thousand rand, but I've said that that five hundred thousand rand, in the event that it is awarded, will go to Corruption Watch, and so and I stick by that. But uh, you know, a court date still has to be set for that determination. I mean, how? Bigger deal is being called a spy, being called an impimpi. It was, you know, could have seen you dead 20 years ago. Is it that serious anymore? <laughs> Chris, I thought you wanted to talk about money. Yeah, no, 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 no sorry. About... Uh, forgive me, but I mean, it's just a contextual thing. It's a contextual thing. Um, <laughs> not, I a problem, we... not a problem at all. I think in, in the South African context and given where, you know, a lot of us come from, I mean, most of my life I've been involved in, uh, liberation politics and anti-apartheid activities, and you know that's that's been our life story, myself and my wife. And when somebody then comes and kind of trashes it all and says, "But you know, you're a known enemy agent, and that in fact all along you were working for some agency or working for the enemy," of course it's it's highly offensive. Which is exactly why I I took on the defamation case because it was defamatory and it was untrue. And the court found courts found it, including right up to the constitutional court, found his comments to be both untrue and defamatory, and and then ordered him to issue the apology. But yeah, for sure. I mean, you can't you can't let people, especially somebody who was the former president of the ANC, former president of the country, get away with with that kind of um, kind of comment and casting aspersions on you know everything you've done throughout your life. You can't let him get away with it. I mean, it's it's an appalling insult for somebody who could have lived a very, very different life as a as a as a white South African, born in Cape Town, schooled in Cape Town. You went to Jan van Riebeck High School. You did your compulsory military service, and then you you, you had your political awakening in the in the nineteen seventies and into the nineteen eighties. You were jailed. Your wife Trish was was jailed for political beliefs, and you made enormous sacrifices. Um, uh, for somebody who could have lived a fundamentally different life, but you chose not to. Well, that's it. Um, uh, you know, and, and we, we continue doing what we think is necessary to be done in order to make South Africa a better place for everybody. It was never about just uh, um, serving the political party that I was in. I have, I have strong views about the party being there to serve the people of South Africa. And that is the reason for the existence of a liberation movement. Uh, but uh, for us, it, all along, it was about, you know, doing the right things to bring apartheid to an end, to bring democracy to our country, and to ensure that people in South Africa are able to live a much, much better life. And, um, you know, we're not going to end with that work. Um, but nor can we allow 
somebody who clearly, you know, was in the business of looting, looting money or under whom uh, huge state capture, under whose watch state capture took place, um, trash it all and say, well, actually, um, you know, this person uh, was actually working for a, an apartheid agency of some kind. <laughs> we can't yeah. possibly let him get away with it. It's not only me, by the way. I mean, he made the same allegations against Mwako uh, Ramachodi, against Supremo uh, Ingwe, um, Nyanda, yeah. Nyanda. And, um, and they also found it extremely offensive, and they are taking their own action. Uh, also, at, at NEC meetings at various stages, you know, he kept saying that, you know, I have this information about people, but never came forward with the information. Yeah, yeah but it is rather astonishing. But you know what? Um, for me, I want to put that chapter to an end. It happened, um, and, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's finished. And we've got other things, other very important things to focus our sure. energies on. I mean, are, are you still politically active? Are you still politically involved? Yes, uh, very much so. So I am still on the National Executive Committee of the okay. ANC. Yes, and on the National Working Committee of the ANC for that matter. Did you get a letter from the president at the weekend saying, Dear Derek, um, you know, if you've been naughty, we've got to come and get you. And how did you feel about that letter? Well, yeah, he didn't. He didn't personalize it. He didn't. No, no, I know Derek. this. It was dear comrade. I mean, yeah, it's like saying dear Derek. I mean, you, everyone's called comrade, aren't they? I mean, it's. Yeah, no, I was a bit disappointed <laughs> about that. You know, I expected a dear Derek letter, but you know, <laughs> the letter, the letter was just what we needed right now, and uh, you know, with the it's it's it has obviously reached what you might describe as an all time low, uh, and I think the especially I mean acts of um, stealing money or overpricing. Uh, products that are intended for, you know, either either um, health service workers or health workers or for people that are extremely vulnerable. Uh, so exploiting the COVID-19 tragedy crisis is despicable, to say the least. It's callous. It's despicable. So, I mean, in a sense, you know, the situation, we know that we've had corruption for a long time. It's there. But in a way, the extent to which it erupted post the outbreak of COVID-19 um, precipitated a serious response from the president and from others in leadership positions, knowing that there are people in leadership positions who are also the perpetrators, yeah. who are also the, the very people who are benefiting. So there, there's, a, there's a serious contestation at the moment and, and we've got to win this war. We've got to win the war and it can't just be the ANC alone. Um, it's, it now has to be a societal fight against the other pandemic, that other uh, serious phenomenon in our society where greed, where so much of what we do is driven by greed, and that might get us onto your money discussion. But uh, <laughs> you're, you know, desperately, you're desperately driving to the money discussion, and I promise we will get there. <laughs> One at all. I, don't, I know so little about money. It's much better you talk to me about other things. But <laughs> <the> politics. <laughs> um, but but the, we'll, we'll, the, get, we'll, get, we'll get to money. But the, the politics, there, there's so much cynicism over 
whether the yeah. president has got the ability to really clamp down. And um, we spoke to J.P. Luntman earlier, and I don't know if you read J.P. Luntman's latest missive, which he published last week, in which he talks about the huge progress which Ramaphosa has made since he became president of South Africa. But people are so punch drunk from corruption and so punch drunk at the promises made by politicians over many, many years that, oh, this time it's going to be different, that they read the copies of the letters that as senior ANC members you received, and they go, well, pff, nothing's going to change. Will it change this time? Yeah, well, I mean, I did read uh, the London article and I thought it was very good because I think we, we need to remind ourselves of the, the, the things that have been done and especially the things that have been done in the last uh, two-year period. And I think they're quite significant, very really quite important. Um, uh, I, I don't blame people for being uh, cynical. And it's true that, um, you know, the, the, the ANC, as it stands at the moment, unless it can show very decisive and very firm action against the wrongdoers does have a credibility problem. So people, I, and I understand that, and we, you know, we, we should be uh, quite ashamed of, of what is happening in our country, um, not only as ANC members, but given that we, we are the governing party um, and that we, um, we have to take responsibility for what happens in our country and we have to give leadership to our country. And uh, when, when the things that have been happening over the last couple of months are, are just atrocious. So um, the, I understand the, the, the fact that people aren't that ready to simply believe because the letter has been sent out. So this letter, I think, though, is a very important statement from the president and a very strong commitment. And now, but now, it has to be followed up with the action. What Lundman's article does, though, uh, Chris, is that he talks about all of the, the, the steps that have been put in place over the last couple of years that enable us to take the necessary action. Come in post-state uh, capture period, and you've got such weakened institutions that even if you wanted to deal immediately with some of the corruption and bring people to book, um, the, the capacity and capability of the institutions that, are ta- that, that, that have that mandate in the criminal justice system the security agencies, they simply didn't have it. And or they had the wrong people who didn't have the will to do it. So now you've got the right people. That is a very important and necessary first step. Get yeah. the first step in place. And, and the first step is appoint the right people, whether it's a chairperson of a board of the, of the uh, PIC or the, the, some of the state-owned entities, or whether it's the, um, the person who... Uh, who takes responsibility in, in, for, for the NPA or for the Hawks um, or for the South African Revenue Service. I think that we have a number of very, very good people appointed to these senior and critically important positions. I think that's a, a very necessary first step. Uh, but even as they assume office, um, they have to deal with what, what they inherit. And yep. so uh, for... For Shamila Batoy, I mean, it's not been an easy task, not been an easy road. The good news is that the arrests are now, and it's a it's a way down the road, but the arrests are happening. Um, so so it's it's sort of turning around. They've been working on their capacity. They've been investigating cases. The capacity of the Hawks has increased significantly, and the SIU. So you know, this is what what people want to see. They they don't want to to hear it. They want to see action. And, and the action is starting to happen, but there needs to be a lot more action. And it can't only be um, action through the courts. If and, and that is why the pressure is on the ANC correctly to say, look, if, if somebody is implicated um, in serious corruption, 
um, even though it hasn't yet reached the point of court readiness and of a prosecution, etc. A good example is what happened in Gauteng. The MEC, and that's where the, the Gauteng government took the right decision, uh, where the, the MEC was asked to step aside, and so and, 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 and a few others. Um, and it, it doesn't mean that they're guilty. That still has to be proven. But, um, you know, what we see uh, looks very serious and very bad. So there are certain actions that can proceed, you know, these lengthy court processes that have to follow. Derek Hanekom, as I make many Monday's guest this evening, we will talk about money. We will talk about money, and that is coming up next. Derek Hanekom is our guest this evening. He is a member of the National Executive Committee of the ANC. But tonight, as citizen Hanekom and comrade Derek, um, we're talking about money. I mean, was your upbringing privileged, middle class? What did mum and dad do? Um, well... Uh, a privilege is always uh, is always relative. I mean, in some ways, you know, virtually virtually everyone who was white in apartheid South Africa had certain privileges that people who were not white did not have. That's that's that that is a fact. Um, we were not. Uh, it was not a wealthy family. My father worked at the Hrutskir Hospital as a, in fact, dealing with money. He was a cashier. He was a clerk. He okay. worked uh, in the hospital. And uh, you know he needed to take money and count it and bank it and 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 so forth. So, um, but not a wealthy family at all. Um, and and so are we going in, in doing your your what was called national service in those days and getting into politics. I mean, what was your family's response to that as a, as a white South African family? Their son is a trade unionist and is member of the ANC. Oh, and he's been arrested. Would it bring shame upon the family? <laughs> I've got these sets of questions that you sent me, you know, so brilliant questions about what's your first memory no, of no, pocket no, but, money? But, but we're getting there, Derek, we're getting uh, there, we're getting you know, there. What's, what is your first investment? We're getting <laughs> so, there, we're getting really, there. We're getting really, there. really important questions. But yeah, that's that happened. So, so down the line, you're right, you're right. So this is the, the Boyki who went first to the German school here in Cape Town, then went to Yamfa and Ribiak. And then went traveling abroad and did a whole lot of jobs and factories and farms, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and came back to South Africa and got involved at a very young age um, in uh, apartheid struggle politics, if you like. So the first time we were arrested was in 1977. In fact, we were um, participating in a very peaceful demonstration outside John Foster Square, then the, the police station mm. in Johannesburg. And it was a candlelight ceremony, or rather, it was a candlelight protest. We sat down, but we were all arrested um, just before Christmas, and we were singing Christmas carols <laughs> to the people. <laughs> Can you imagine? And so in solidarity, so that the people could uh. hear us, the people who were in their cells in John Foster Square. Well, they arrested us, and that's the first time that I felt the brutality of the state because yeah. with my very first arrest, I was assaulted. And money, money came, you know, it seems to be not a lot of money, but eventually I took the, the policeman who assaulted me, who, who you know, gave me a, a, a very bad black eye, which was good because that, you know, rather than just punching me in the stomach because it gave me evidence. And he, he had to pay up a certain amount of money um, several months later. And with that money, you know, we, we had started our little farming operation in Cape Town. So that money allowed us to buy our first cow. One of your questions was, did, was there money, family money to help yeah. us set up business or anything of that matter? No. No, whatever, whatever we 
we um, put into that. That was our first, I suppose, business activity was this very small scale farming that we did. And while we were doing it, we were politically involved at the same time. And so ultimately, of course, we were arrested in, in uh, 1983. Um, were, were you, were you, my... did, you, did you rent the farm? I mean, were you, uh, you weren't no. landowners. So were you just operating as, as, so when you were arrested, did everything just disappear? The, the, the assets you had, the cow, everything get taken? Um, firstly, yes, we were, we were renting the farm. We had a very, uh, uh, we, we started on, on a very small farm here in, 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 Kales River in Cape Town, and then we mm-hmm. moved to Johannesburg. We went to, we moved, we found a, a, a farm uh, to let in, in Machalisburg. We rented that farm, and we, we started with, with very little. We, we built up a little dairy herd. We, we, um, we bought, you know, a batch of day-old chicks, and, and then we built up a nice uh, poultry business, and we did that, um, but, you know, very slowly, uh, did part-time jobs while we were doing it until it gave us enough income. But but we lived from hand to mouth, uh, and it was hard work. And of course, while we were doing it, we were doing um, ANC Underground simultaneously, which was not all. And, and we had lots of people come and visit us on the farm. Chris, let me just be honest with you. I mean, we we worked crazily hard on that farm to make a, a go of it. But we were also hippie farmers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we did all all the things that you know, and my hair was long and my beard was long, and you know, um, and that that. But it was a great time, and so we, mm. but we we, you know, we prided ourselves in hard work, which is really the point I want to make in relation to money. Sure. That money, you know, didn't come didn't come easily. Everything had to be very carefully considered, and we had to work very long hours to make that money. Um, but at the end of the day, it gave us pride. It gave us a sense of fulfillment. And but then when we were arrested at the end of 1983, after about five years of farming, um, we had many, many friends who used to come out regularly, regularly on weekends, uh, some who stayed with us for longer periods. We had an arrangement with one friend. Um, we didn't tell, obviously didn't tell people that we were doing underground work. But with one one friend, we said, "Look, uh, we hinted that there could be there could be trouble in the future, and should we uh, we ever call him, uh, th- that would he be prepared to drop everything and come out immediately?" And that's exactly what happened. We we were arrested. Uh, the security they swooped on the farm. They arrested us. The security under the watch of the security policeman. <laughs> I was able to make this one phone call. And um, but he and he he couldn't stop himself from laughing, I guess, because um, he he didn't allow me to tell uh, this friend of ours whose name was Rod. Um, he didn't allow me to tell him that we were under arrest, and 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 I had this the, the security police were all over the farm. But all I said to him is, remember that that discussion you had we had <laughs> some time ago. Um, you know, you need to come, and you need to come immediately. And he came immediately, so he was able to. And so we were arrested, and um, the we sold our cows. We built up a, a very nice uh, registered uh, herd of Jersey cows. I don't know how wow. much you know about farming, Chris. I don't. I know enough and, to uh, know that registered herd of cows is is pretty good. I mean, that's pretty specialized in a short period of time. Yes. Yeah, I went to a Trish. Trish, my wife, Trish grew grew up on a farm in Zimbabwe and was a dairy okay. farm. I I did not. 
but I, when we when we got the small holding, I went off and did a, a course in artificial insemination. And with so or without a glove? A, sorry? With or without a glove? <laughs> yeah, without the glove. Oh, proper <laughs> farming, you see, you know, proper farming, yes. You you know more than you make out, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, very very quickly, dear Akarakom. I mean, you you would have come out of jail. You wouldn't have had very much. You would have got involved in politics. You would have earned an MP salary and a minister's salary, and you work for the ANC, and you you've had income over time. Have you built up investments beyond a state pension, for example? I mean, are, are you if if you retired from all activities today, would dear Akarakom be okay? I I am retired from any income earning. Um, any income earning activities. So I don't earn, I am living on the pension that was accumulated over 25 years in parliament. And, and quite honestly, it is more than enough to meet our needs, including, including some luxuries. So, so we are very fortunate. We must, you know, we really are very fortunate that. What, what, what are the, the Hanukkahs, um, what do former trade unionists, political activists, people who went into prison and into exile regard as luxuries? Uh, different people regard different things as luxury. I mean, it's it's somehow in South Africa, uh, people seem to put a, a huge premium on on cars, flashy cars and flashy yeah. clothes. Uh, you know, those things have never really meant anything much to us. So, so for us, I mean, you know, money money has been not something that has necessarily come easily. But obviously, I you've got to say it. I mean, people who uh, become ministers and members of parliament who say they're struggling. It's a bit insensitive, honestly, Chris, because, you know, it may not be as much as you, some people could earn elsewhere, but compared to average earnings in South Africa, you know, ministers earn huge salaries. So, you know, it, it, it sort of annoys me a little bit when people complain about their salaries. But uh, so as soon as I, you know, became a minister, you know, it's, we, we were well off and, and very well off. So, and, and I've, I've worked uh, and very hard. Um, but prior to that, all of my jobs were, you know, sort of low-earning jobs. Our first investment, if you like, was when I was the age of 38, we we bought our first property, and that was a flat in Yeovil. And that was a big move for us, you know, to, have our, our, to own our first bit of property. One of your questions is, um, you know, were there any good investments that I have made in the past? I think almost uh, fortuitously, by, by good luck, um, some of the property investments just by by – by timing, the property investments helped us accumulate, at least be able to live in, at now have uh, some property ownership, um, which, you know, constitutes part of our asset base, uh, which we would not have had if we hadn't invested in property at, at quite an early stage of being in the higher earning bracket, if you like. Derek Hanukkah, right thank you so much. Derek Hanukkah, I'm so sorry. I know we, I spoke too much about politics, too little about uh, money, <laughs> but it was really interesting. It's so nice to have you. I can hear the microwave in the background. I think your supper is ready, and I don't want you to be late for dinner. <laughs> Derek Hanukkah, thank you so much for joining us on Make Money Mondays.